Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Living, a practical guide for living the open-handed life every day. And today we are going to be ending our series on celebrating the Sabbath, Sabbath living. I hope you have enjoyed this. I have had a great time. It has been a godsend to me to go back through over the past couple years and see what really God has taught me because I think some of those things I didn't even really realize were lessons that I had learned until I had to sit down and think them through. So this has been a gift to me, very centering. Um, I feel so grateful right now. Um, but I want to talk about ending our Sabbath. Now yesterday, before we do that, I want to talk about, start from where we left off yesterday. So I was starting the Sabbath. Um, I was showing you the dinner that we made and how we set that up. Now, um, I wanted to show you the book. Uh, I've talked about it before and I've showed it to you before, but the book that I've read many books, but the book that has given me the how to like, um, do this, say this, make this, you know, this is what it's about, um, is this book called God's Appointed Times by Barney Kasdan. And it is on my Kindle. So, um, this is what it's going to look like when you go to buy it. But it is a very practical guide for celebrating actually all of the feasts and all of the things of God's calendar, but it starts with the Sabbath. And uh, that's as far as I've gotten. And uh, maybe in the next 25 years, I'll go through each one of those. I always, every fall when it comes around, I'm like, I'm going to celebrate the days of all. I'm going to, you know, celebrate all these Jewish festivals. I've not gotten to it one single time. Soon, people, soon. But anyway, that is the book that has helped me to understand how you set everything up and just the, the real how-tos about doing things. And you saw that yesterday we had our candlestick set up, which means something. We have the, um, the bread and the bread covering. We have the wine set up. We have all, all of that. So I just wanted to, before we move on from there, I wanted to tell you a couple things I think are important about this, the actual um, ceremony of starting your Sabbath with this meal. Um, now, there have been a couple of times where it wasn't gonna work for us to have our meal because of the way that our Friday was working out as far as the ministry goes. Um, and so what we'll do is we'll sit down and have the ceremony part together at five o'clock or um, somewhere around there, four or five, six, somewhere in there. It depends. It's set usually at five o'clock, but every once in a while it has to be different. So um, we'll sit down and do the ceremony at home, which is with the bread or just a cracker and the wine or the um, sparkling cider. Uh, and then we'll go do whatever it is that we had to do. Um, uh, the one that happened recently was we had a family vision night or something. It was more than a family vision night. Jay had to go really early. So basically we started it. Um, we did our ceremony, then we dropped him off at the Avision Center, which is down the street, and the rest of our family went to Wendy's, which to them was like the best Sabbath meal ever. <laughs> I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> so they were very excited that we went to Wendy's. We went to Wendy's and then we came back, but we had the ceremony with Jay before he had to do what he had to do, um, and I appreciated that. So I think the important thing, it is important to start your Sabbath to try to have a start time. Because I feel like what that's taught us by having a start time is that no matter how I'm feeling, no matter how crazy the family is, no matter how um, unprepared we are, or maybe the family is fighting, just to be honest, maybe we are in a bad place. Maybe the, the house is filled with the stink of sin. <laughs> we stop 
And at that moment we go, it doesn't matter what is going on. There could be an earthquake going on <laughs> in our house, but we are going to stop and say, thank you, God, because if God was able to create the world in six days and stop on the seventh and rest, we certainly are going to uh, be able to stop our all of our stuff. So we stop it. And there's, I can't tell you the number of times that I've kind of been up to here emotionally or whatever. And I sit down and after we light the candles, um, which the, is, is the wife's job, which is interesting. I'll talk about that in a minute. But then we sit down and we, um, we have silent prayer. And what I usually do is I pray. It's probably a minute. That's probably how long I do it. Um, I usually start by, it depends on how worked up I am. If I'm very calm and peaceful, then I can just start praying silently from that moment. And I'm usually praying to um, gather my thoughts, to focus my thoughts on God, to let things go. Um, but if I'm really, really uptight or, you know, just have been pushed to my limit, I'll sit there and breathe. I do breathing. I breathe in for seven counts and I breathe out for seven counts, basically. Uh, the practice of breathing. So I do that and it calms me. And then I lead the prayer uh, that sets us up for the Sabbath. And usually in that prayer, I will, I'm thanking God for uh, the practice of the Sabbath, the, the, the fact that he commands us to stop and that he allows us to stop. Um, I'm praying and thanking him for all the work that got done that week, all the good things that happened, going back through and just thanking God for each thing. Usually one thing that the kids have, um, everybody in the family has good things. I'm, I'm reminding us of the good things that God has given us that week and the things that have been accomplished. And then I'm thanking God for, um, the, t the chance to rest, to enter into this rest. And then I am praying to God for help to for the family to be mindful of God for the next 24 hours, to be extra kind, extra patient, extra supportive of one another, to say only what is helpful, you know, to be different, to be more holy on this day. So that's kind of our prayer. Then we go into the ceremony itself, which um, is the wine, the bread. But the other thing that I find is very incredible incredibly profound that I didn't realize what it would be is the fact of how elevated the woman's role is in all of this on a weekly basis. So every week I'm starting this Sabbath with the prayer. And every week this Sabbath ceremony is ending because it ends with blessings for the kids and it ends with the reading of Proverbs 31. So every single week the kids are hearing basically this incredibly, incredibly beautiful writing about what God values in a woman. And it's a total lifting up of the godly wife and um, the wife of noble character. And it's basically just elevating the role and um, helping us to understand how God views women, how God views the role of a mother and a wife. And obviously, he thinks very highly of it. It's not second class to him at all. Um, all the things that our society is giving us day and night, just the, you know, how terrible it is that you would submit to anyone in this life and um, equality for everyone. And that means that uh, women should, basically what has come down to, I feel like, in some ways is women should be running the show here. <laughs> and I know, I realize that that's a swing. It's a pendulum swing. So, um, I'm not trying to be down on it, but I think we we can't underestimate just how how much you go girl has um, 
really warped the minds of our kids because um, they can start to look at the Bible as if it's some sort of oppressive manual for women, which actually God's the exact opposite. So he did place in the family an order of, of submission and authority. And um, if we buck against that, then our kids will buck against that. If we don't like it, our kids won't like it. But if we think this is great, I, I love it. I love following God's lead. I love following my husband's lead. I don't have a problem with it. They won't have a problem with it. And so week after week, my kids have heard this wife of noble character read, and it has, I think, really shaped how they see the, the role as very important and um, that it's a great thing. So those are two things that I feel like that actual ceremony, we've gotten much more out of it. I mean, that reminder that God is the one that gives us our food and our drink. I mean, we get a lot out of it, but those are the two really outstanding things, I think. Then as we um, go through the rest of our night, I had the girls from my uh, from two Bible talks over last night, and it, I mean, on Friday night, it was amazing. We got to talk, I got to hear what's going on in their lives. We got to read the Bible and pray. It was awesome. Slept in the next day, um, you know, just enjoyed entering into the rest. And then there is a ceremony that you can do at the end, which is covered at the book. And I don't know, I don't, I didn't really understand exactly what the name of it is because I think I've been calling it the wrong thing. But the idea is ending the Sabbath and it gives you this, the braided candle that you light and um, you pass around a drink that everybody drinks from the same drink this time. Um, and you smell from this spice box. It's so cool because it engages all the senses um, to help you remember it, the sweet um, smell of the Sabbath is what it is. So you can end your Sabbath like that. Usually it's 24 hours after you began it. Um, and so you can read about that in that book. But um, I wanted to talk about just what the Sabbath has come to mean to me in general entering into this rest. And really it's Psalm 23. I was thinking there's no other, it came straight to my mind. There is nothing else that describes it like this to me. And if you remember Psalm 23, many of you probably have it memorized. I had memorized it when I was a kid growing up in church, but it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel, fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is so much that I want to say about this scripture, and actually this is going to be the theme scripture for... Um, our midweek lesson that's coming up in a couple of days. Uh, so I'm going to say more about that. But for right now, I'm just going to focus on a, a couple things. And I think the biggest thing that I get out of this is just that God has to make us lie down in green pastures sometimes. You know, you'd think that we would want that. We, we talk like we would want that. We are always begging for more time and more relaxation and more rest and all this, you know, we're so busy and so exhausted and all that, you know, you'd think that we would gladly do it, but we don't. You know, the, I have, I have one kid that goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. I have to actually make her stop. 
I have to make her. And um, I even with her play, when she's playing on the playground, she doesn't know how to, um, uh, what's that called, regulate herself. And so she will go until she's so thirsty or she's so tired that she's upset. Uh, like she can't take it anymore. I have to actually stop her. You need to, you need to drink some water and you need to just sit here for a second. Enjoy the birds, enjoy the sun, enjoy the breeze, and then go back at it. Okay, so let's just take a moment to rest. I mean, I literally have to tell her that. I am that way with God, and I know many of us are that way. I wanted to share a few readings. Um, there are books that I have read over the past few, not, not just these two years. In fact, I don't think I've read these books in the past two years. I think I've read them always before, trying to figure out what, what the Sabbath really was. Um, but I got back into them and I was like, oh, I want to read these books again. Um, now, the book really that has um, shaped my my thinking more than any, I think it's the one that has come to my mind, is uh, this one by Lynn Babb. B-A-A-B. Uh, -A -A That's what it is. Lynn Babb. And it's called Sabbath Keeping, and I think that might have been the first book I read, and maybe that's why. But when I started reading that, this author was quoting this author, Wayne Mueller, and this one is called um, Wayne Mueller Writes Sabbath, Finding Rest, Renewal, and Delight in Our Busy Lives. And I just wanted to read this little quote from him. He says, um, he's talking about the fact that you know, as we go through our lives and we're so busy, 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 we get full and confused and everything is can get crazy in our, in our minds. And um, at some point it just becomes chaotic. And he says, who is it that can make muddy water clear? Asked the Tao Te Ching. But if allowed to remain still, it will gradually become clear of itself. The invitation to rest is rooted in an undeniable spiritual gravity that allows all things to rest, at rest to settle, and to find their place. There comes a moment in our striving when more effort actually becomes counterproductive, when our frantic busyness only muddies the waters of our wisdom and understanding, when we become still and allow our lives to rest, and allow our life to rest, we feel a renewal of energy and gradual clarity of perception. The psalmist speaks of this when he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Here we have another stunning principle undergirding the Sabbath time. God does not want us to be exhausted. He wants us to be rested. So I just loved that little writing that from that and now I have this other author uh, Mark Buchanan it's called The Rest of God uh, this is a pastor that lives up in um, Vancouver and I just like I just really enjoyed some of the ways that he said things but um, you know when we think about this resting you know even on Friday I there was stuff I still needed to do and I sort of reluctantly stopped and but I'm so glad that I did because I think what happens with me is that you know I know that the truth is that we are not guaranteed time <laughs> you know and I say it all the time with all these terrorist attacks and all this stuff 
it should be sending us as Christians not to how to regulate these terrorists and do the guns and all that. I'm, we need to do that. But it should be sending us to, wow, I need to prepare my soul. I need to be ready to meet my maker. I need to be ready to meet God. And really entering into that thought and, and always keeping that before me, like every minute is a gift. Um, I may not wake up tomorrow. I may be with God tomorrow. And I know that that's the truth, but life becomes so, it's so imminent. It's, I mean, it's right in front of you. I didn't mean imminent. It's right, right in front of you and it can become consuming and it can become all you see. And it, it can really just suck you in and pull you down to where you, you just can't keep contact with that spirituality of <laughs> every minute is a gift and I'm not guaranteed any of it. And I feel like that the Sabbath is a, is almost a forced reminder. No, no, no. Go back. Remember, every minute is a gift. And this is a gift of time. And uh, he has this quote. He says, um, unless we trust God's sovereignty, we won't dare risk Sabbath. And unless we receive time as abundance and gift, not as ration and burden will never develop a capacity to savor the Sabbath. And this helps me to remember, oh yeah, I time is a gift from God and I need it. I, I when I when I'm entering into it, I am saying, I believe you're sovereign God. I believe you're the one that gives time. You're the giver of time. So I give this time back because it wasn't mine to begin with. <laughs> so I it's a way of savoring. You won't be able to. If you see time as a taskmaster, as a ration, I think that word is what really hit me because that's how I can be, is I can see time that way, like it's being rationed out. Unless we see it as a gift, um, we won't be able to enter into the rest. And then my third quote is from my original book, The Sabbath Keeping um, by Lynn Babb. And uh, I love this. It's going to be a little bit longer, but it says, All this productivity and all these achievements can become a form of idolatry. We don't want to rest because we want to be indispensable. <laughs> we don't want to stop being productive because our identities are rooted in activity and accomplishment. We want to make sure things are done so well so that our work reflects well on us. Our culture encourages these behaviors and beliefs. It says nothing about how unhealthy it is to focus on work without a rhythm of rest built in. It says nothing about how our pride and productivity is a form of worshiping a false god. One writer defends Orthodox Jewish rules for the Sabbath day by saying, When we cease interfering in the world, we are acknowledging that it is God's world. By and large, most of us don't want to stop interfering in the world. We really don't want to acknowledge that the world belongs to God. Dorothy Bass writes, To act as if the world cannot get along without our work for one day in seven is a startling display of pride that denies the sufficiency of our generous maker. The medieval church developed a list of seven deadly sins, and pride was the first one. In fact, some people believe that all sins flow from pride. Embracing the Sabbath helps us to stand against pride. It helps us to set aside our worship of our own achievements 
for one day each week and helps us know deep inside that the world is God's. Another obstacle to Sabbath keeping is the perception that we don't work hard enough or have not accomplished enough to deserve a day off. This attitude is particularly common among people such as homemakers, <laughs> students, independent contractors, and retired people whose work is self-directed or unstructured by an outside force. I frittered the week away, a student finds herself thinking. I intended to study almost every day, but I just didn't get there. I can't take a Sabbath because I didn't work even close to six days. So, now, and this is really profound right here. Sometimes the way to get unstuck from procrastination and lack of self-discipline is to begin with a full day of enjoyable rest. Sometimes we are stuck in unproductivity because we have been trying to force ourselves to get things done day after day with no break in our futile attempts at self-discipline. Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day, so their first full day on earth was the seventh day, the Sabbath. Then, on the next day, they began to till and tend the garden. They didn't begin to work until they had rested in God's presence. We often do the opposite, believing we have to earn the right to a day of rest by working hard. <laughs> Aren't you so glad I just read that? I'm so glad I just read that. It's such a great reminder to me. I just, you know, that spoke to me in every way. I think that it is hardest for people who are in charge of their own schedules to, eat, to, to feel like they can stop. It's easier to be seen when you have a, a, a time card or you know, this is my schedule at work and this is my day off. But when you are organizing your own time, it's really such an act of faith. Um, but I think for people who don't get to organize their own time, it's also an act of faith. Because here you have these five, well in America, usually five days for um, us that are a little more workaholics would be six days in, you know, or even though it's only five. And so you look to that seventh day as your day to get all your other stuff done. And so it is going to be challenging for you to go, no, that's not how I'm going to do it. I'm going to divide up all the other stuff. You know, you get out that list that I told you to make. And you need to take out that list and you need to divide all that other stuff up. So laundry, groceries, cleaning, all that kind of stuff. It just has to be divided up between all the rest of the days. And then we trust and we believe in God's sovereignty that he will give us the time that we need because it's not going to be done on that seventh day. You're just going to be resting on that day. So anyway, I hope that these books, I hope you can get one, even if you just got one and only read it on the Sabbath for the next year and it would teach you, it would train you, it would open your mind, it would rejuvenate you, or you may get into it and think, I can't even stop reading this. I have to read it every day. Um, but I think that would be good. Uh, and I wanted to just... I was thinking about what are some ways to set apart this day and make it holy. This just some little little ideas and these books are full of them. But here's some things, tangible ways to set apart this day. Um, some things I thought of where you can have a special Sabbath only candle where you only light this particular candle on the Sabbath. Um, I think of the, you know, those of you that um, ha have really great luscious wonderful candles that you love the smell of just pick out one scent that is sort of a um, one that can go annually not that's very season specific so you wouldn't want this to be your autumn you know the 
the smells of autumn or whatever because in the summer you want it but maybe one of the candles that is more like um a cookie smell or just vanilla or whatever um then you light that every sabbath and it's the only time and it's you be interested you're going to be so interested to see how smells when you smell something it reminds you of something right when you're walking through uh the mall and you smell cinnamon rolls oh <gasps> cinnamon rolls <laughs> you know like you know what they are um but aromas when i smell there's a tree that's growing uh that is on um the street that i walk on every day and it's a tree that's very common to oklahoma but it's not very common here and when i walk under that tree i'm like oh oklahoma smells like Oklahoma. You know, it reminds me of that. And you can create that in your home by having a certain scent that is only for the Sabbath day. So you're um, lighting that candle for Sabbath only. You could have just a different morning. This is the only morning that I do it this way. You could stay in your pajamas all day. Um, you could save your luxury reading for this day. Um, it could be the only day that you turn on the TV. It could be the, the only day that has special food. You'd be surprised when you go back and read um, sort of ancient, not ancient, I shouldn't have said that, but literature from the Puritan times, the times of when people were um, uh, pioneering and escaping from the tyranny of a government-enforced religion, and they were trying to establish their Christianity. You'd be amazed at how many of them uh, rationed out their food to where they they we only had meat. They only had meat on the Sabbath day. Um, they only had rich foods on the Sabbath day. And actually, they saw that because that culture was very. They were way more into. Um, not giving themselves to gluttony. Um, you'd be interested to see. It's really interesting as I've read, I, I realized that in the British um, times, they actually ate, uh, they had their, they ate, uh, let's see, you know, for us, if you're right-handed, you would have your fork in your right hand um, and your knife, you know, or whatever. They, they would do it backwards to keep them from being gluttonous while they ate. Isn't that interesting? So I just think that's interesting. So that was one way that they would ration themselves is to say, we're not going to eat a bunch of rich food, but on the Sabbath day, we'll have, um, we'll sort of kill the fatty calf. Okay. Uh, you could do soda only one day. That's what we do. We only have soda on one day a week. Um, you could go on a date that day. If you get your nails done or a massage or whatever, you could get it done on that day. Um, read or research things that you haven't had time to, you know, things that are really interesting to you that you wish you had more time for. Garden if it relaxes you. Sew if it relaxes you. Um, go on prayer walks. Have special, have a special quiet time place that you get to be alone. Um, sit by the lake. Go on a hike someplace beautiful. Um, you know, I, for years, you know, the, the, we had a family that was just so close to us, the, the, the shepherds, um, many of you know them, the shepherd family. And uh, I always remember because on Saturdays, um, the husband would take the kids, um, Jeff would take the kids, and he would just take them out and go do whatever it is that he was going to do with them. And Sanja would have that whole morning to herself, and I'd be like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I was always looking at that like, wow, that's great. How can we work that out? Which we had different lives at that time. It never really worked out for us, but I can always remember looking at that. And I was always thinking, I bet she looks forward to that time because it's the only time out of the week that it would really happen. Because the rest of the time she was, you know, in charge of the kids and it was her sort of one break that she had. And that's an idea for people with small children is to sort of split up your day where if it's the wife that has been with the kids all week, 
then maybe the husband can see Saturday mornings as his time with the kids, give her a little bit of time to herself, and then um, and then maybe they can switch. She can come home and um, she can be there and actually maybe put the kids down for a nap or quite have quiet time and the, and the husband can go have some time by himself by himself and then maybe at that night have a date together so you get time together you know you have to be creative during this time but there are ways to set apart the sabbath there are ways to celebrate it i just hope that this series encourages you to try it to go for it i i can tell just by doing this series that after two years i understand a fingernail <laughs> of what the Sabbath has to offer. I, I've just been blown away. Like, okay, I can tell this is going to be a 20, 20 year journey. It's going to be even longer. It's going to be until I reach my Sabbath rest. And really that's where we're going. And in, in the Kazdan book, it talks about that, how the, the, the people that believe in Jesus, we believe that we are headed towards um, his eternal rest that we are entering into the rest of Jesus Christ. And so as we celebrate the Sabbath every seventh day, we're actually, it's kind of like we are anticipating the day when we get to go and be with him and enjoy the rest of God in full for eternity. So really every Sabbath is a slice of heaven. It's how we enter into it until we get there on that day. So I hope this helped you. I am excited about it, and um, I look forward to many, many, many more years um, together with you. Until next time.